This episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 314 for the week of Wednesday the 7th of March 2018. I'm Eddie, and with me tonight are... Scott. And Adam. This episode is brought to you by Audible, Gamefly, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toys of the Week are the Revoltech, Yamaguchi, Captain America, SH Figure Art, Ro Ogar, Hibiki, and the Kotobukiya, Katana, Bishoju, Statue, and the DC Collectibles, Katana, Bombshell, Action Figure. Jeka, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Action Figure Blues. How are we doing, guys? I'm well. We, yeah, we're doing, we're doing. Nice. So, Scott, you are somewhere north of me at the moment, uh, trying to work out your internet. Is that correct? Yes. So, I am in Sydney for work at the moment. I'm not doing anywhere near the amount of traveling I was doing the old job, just the occasional trip to the home office and stuff. And so I am staying in a hotel that has free Wi-Fi that I cannot get on for some reason. So I've been faffing around with internet connections, one of the many reasons why the by the time uh, you listen to this in the first kind of two minutes of the podcast, dear listener, these poor gentlemen have been waiting for quite some time, um, all because of me. And on top of all of that, I didn't even get a chance to open my beverage at a time when we weren't recording, so you're going to have to listen to that as well. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, uh, because Daddy needs to um, cool, chill his thirst or whatever. Yep. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Is. I know that this um, – uh, yeah, Daddy needs to chill his thirst. I just coined a new expression that I'm sure will be all the rage for all the cool kids tomorrow. We'll get t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can see it now. Um, can I just say, uh, trademark, <laughs> we're going to change the name of the podcast from Action Figure Blues to Daddy Needs to Chill His Thirst. And what about you, Adam? How's your internet going? My internet seems to be working just fine today, which is pretty good. That is good. My mine seems to be going along okay as well, but I feel like I might have just jinxed it now, uh, saying that aloud. But what else have you yeah, been up to? Right. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of running, and um, last night's run included throwing myself on the ground through complete fold of my own and my inability to step over cracks in pavement uh, without tripping. So that's good fun. Ooh. You okay? They can yeah, just scraped up a bit, but other than that, fine. Now, are you someone who picks at scabs, or do you leave them to heal? I, I let them get to the point where they start getting to the loose point, and then I actually get, like, a, a pocket knife and start <gasps> like, lift the edge up and, and rip off the bit that's starting to get daggy, because otherwise it'll just, you know, start pulling the whole scab off, which I don't want, because that'll open the whole thing up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have, like, a technique to it and all. Unsurprising. Someone who's fallen I, I'm a, a traditional lot. scab picker. Yeah, I you know just pick at scabs the traditional way. No um, blades involved. Uh-huh. And what about you, Eddie? Are you a scab picker? 
Uh, no, sometimes I can. It's generally by accident. I won't be thinking about it. I'll be, like, quite often yeah, I'll yeah, actually yeah. be in the middle of a meeting and um, uh, I'm lucky with my work. I can wear shorts in the middle of summer. So I might just be in the, a meeting unconsciously thinking and I'll pick at a scab and it'll start bleeding and I need to leave a meeting because <laughs> I've got blood running down my leg. <laughs> Suddenly, just and it's usually I sort of notice by looking at my fingers first, and it's like, oh, there's blood. On. Oh, yeah, I picked a scab. I need to get some tissue. <laughs> I like that. It's like you don't even we'll, know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week we'll cover nose picking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, come on. We are from the country where our uh, prime minister at the, uh, picked and ate his own earwax on national television. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what about our toy hunting? How's that been going? Fabulous. Yeah? You found yeah. something? Actually, yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, being a Marvel Legends collector, and I've mentioned this a couple of times recently, that, you know, it, it was there was quite a long time there where I wasn't even, you know, there was no toy hunting in my life um, because everything was pre-orders because nothing was here. Uh, but Marvel Legends, you know, even though, like, I am uh, trying to now pre-order from our reputable local e-tailer just because it is cheaper. Um, you know, it's, I, so I've got like the Deadpool wave on pre-order um, and uh, happy to wait for it to pay less. But I saw them in the wild and had to buy Domino just because it was Domino and so, you know, yay. And then the, uh, Thanos, the Infinity War wave, which you know came out, um, and we knew that the street date was the third of March because of um, somebody finding it early and etc. And then there was this big hoo ha because it came out at Toys R Us, but uh, uh, Toy World people. It was oh sorry, it came, no sorry, it came out at the the one that was found early was at Toy World. Yeah, but then um, on the third of March. Toys R Us had them out, but they wouldn't scan for anyone. Um, And uh, I actually uh, saw them on the Sunday, and just and I I don't want most of that wave because they're cinematic figures which I don't collect. I just wanted the comic ones, and they had them all. And um, the they wouldn't scan, but the people behind the counter actually fiddled and made phone calls and whatever until they got the right code to be able to put them through. Cool. So, yeah, so Very I actually good. got mine, yay. Yeah, you're yeah, one of the so, few who were able to, by the sounds. I know, and I actually wish, because the, the, I, I, they explained the whole thing to me about how the system works and what code they needed or whatever, and I should have at the time, I was just kind of just thinking about myself and being so happy, and I should have said, so what is that code? <laughs> <laughs> so I could help out my fellow collectors, but hopefully they're in the system and able to be purchased by now, but they're now at other retailers, aren't they? Yeah, I just saw, like, cases of them today at uh, Maya, which is different from the US Maya for the listeners there uh, who might be getting excited. Um, But, yeah, they're popping up. And I was actually quite lucky on the 3rd of March, I went to a Marvel fan day at Fed Square uh, where Hasbro was one of the main sponsors and they had all sorts of... Avengers goodies out on display, like that new hero mask and the Black Series Infinity Gauntlet and Thor's hammer oh, no. and all that, and sort of a little bit excited. And then I went to their 
kind of shopping pavilion and there was really nothing much unless you're a pop vinyl collector there were some exclusive pops there but uh everything Hmm. else was just things you could uh already have found here anyway and nothing really marvel legends size so i was still happy i went but was a little bit disappointed on the the legends and part of me was hoping for uh maybe some of those two packs or those other special ones might turn up a little bit early but uh, it was it was still a lot of kids having fun that day, so I can't complain. If you took your kids along, uh, would you would have had a good day. So with the uh, the Black Panther two packs, we they have none of them have come out in Australia, have they? No. So the we we haven't yeah. gotten a Toys R Us exclusive. Uh, sort of since around Mary Jane, we didn't get the Hydra two-pack, and yeah, we haven't gotten the Claw or yep. Shuri two-pack that came out at the end of last year. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that uh, with Avengers being possibly one of the biggest movies of all time, that they might actually order in the Scarlet Witch and Vision one, so I haven't tried tracking that down elsewhere yet, but uh, Toys R Us is going to be a bit weird, because there's a lot of them closing down this year and we've just found out that the united kingdom are closing a lot of their stores too yet there seem to be a lot of toys r us marvel legends exclusives which has me a little bit worried about how hard they might end up being to track down yeah fair enough fair enough Hmm. what about and so adam what about your toy hunting do you toy hunt no i gave up even toy hunt bro no i don't i i just pre-order so much easier. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've become much the same. Like As much as I've been excited to see things apart from exclusive stuff that might end up in stores, I've just been a uh, pre-order. And I had a ton come in this week. I had um, pretty much my Transformers Power of the Primes, uh, my Black Panther wave, my Retro Legends wave, uh, some of the new DC ones came in, a whole bunch of Star Wars ones. I also got my... Walmart, I think it is, Thanos, uh, came in. And I finally tracked down, I had my favourite Marvel Legends Spider-Man figure, which came from that Sinister Six 2-pack. As soon as I got him out of the packet, pretty much, uh, years ago, his arm broke off. And as much as I love the sculpt on it, it always annoyed me, but it was too expensive uh, to sort of replace out. And I finally found one Mm. cheap uh, this last week, so... Uh, he also arrived off the eBay too, so I'm happy to finally have a fully posable version of that John Romita Marvel Legends Spider-Man. So I had a huge week of stuff coming in. Where'd you get the um the Thanos from? Uh the Hong Kong seller. Okay, cool. I'll 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 let you I'll let you know after the secret. Oh, aren't we allowed to say that? Is it that shall not be spoken? I'll, I'll let you know after that. Okay. Okay. Thanks for whispering, because obviously okay. no one else will. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Yep, thanks. Not at all dodgy. That's right. Completely reputable, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Heard that one before, huh? Um, cool. Okay, then. Let's get started with our first toy of the week. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might lack a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, 
and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues with the promo code BREACH10. Well, we have three toys of the week for this episode, and Eddie is going to go first with something very articulated. So over to you, Eddie. It is. So uh, I am talking about a line I've been collecting pretty passionately, uh, but weirdly I've tended to get them in periods where I haven't really had a chance to talk about them on the show and by the time the chance comes up they've sort of become a little bit old news and something new has caught my eye Uh, but I do quite enjoy this line and it was in fact on some of my top figure lists of last year and that is the hugely named Amazing Yamaguchi powered by Revoltech series, uh, which is their superhero series. And this one is the Marvel Captain America number seven. Uh, so it's hard to believe we've already up to seven of these guys, considering it's sort of been about two a year uh, we've been getting at this pace. Uh, So we've had Deadpool that me and Scotty did review on the show when that first original one came out. Uh, Since then we've had Spider-Man, Venom, uh, Spider-Gwen, Wolverine and Magneto also hit. But uh, this week I got a hold of Captain America here. Uh, He's just recently come out, so he's a 2018 release. And he has just been my obsession this week. And I'll get into uh, why I have been uh, just constantly picking up with this figure and playing with him. So I got him off an eBay seller who I actually used for picking up all of uh, these. He's a uh, really nice fella. Uh, goes by Matter Collectibles. Uh, on eBay, and he always does something nice, which is in his pack, he includes some little Japanese blind box stuff that's usually some sort of cat or kitten. Uh, This time around, I got a little sleeping puppy uh, that hangs off the side of the glass. So uh, if you follow me on Instagram, that picture of Thanos I put up holding the sleeping puppy, uh, that was from the blind box that I got Uh, here with this Captain America. But he always chucks in something little extra. It's like a little bonus uh, off ordering with him. So uh, he is one of the few people on eBay that I've had a really fantastic time purchasing off and I've got a safe search for him now. So once these go up, I can just quickly grab them off him. I I picked him up for about $80 Australian. Uh, Rates do vary depending on where you're purchasing from and what your shipping is going to be. It can 
vary by a huge amount so uh, it's just a matter of finding what's best for you and uh, what's going to be the one to work out best where you are. I do recommend being careful though particularly we uh, particularly with the older ones such as Deadpool there are now knockoff versions floating around so uh, if the price mm -hmm. seems too good to be true chances are it is now the packaging for these guys is a box style with a ton of comic book art printed around the sides and insides so it's mainly ultimate captain america that they actually have printed through uh, on these images there's a i believe it's from the marvel season one graphic novel that they did for the release of the first movie as the main backdrop uh, but this captain america is actually based on the marvel now version more than anything uh which they don't really have any images of uh through here and the boxes anywhere that i can uh see uh but yeah absolutely just flooded with comic book art there's all the poses on the back that have little uh word balloons coming out such as avengers assemble uh for truth and justice it's time to save the world and uh, a lot of kanji that i cannot read to you because i don't know what it says uh there's some sort of uh number at the bottom i assume is their customer service number if you need uh any help and then inside the box is the sort of classic uh if you've brought in a japanese toy before you're going to know this sort of style of clamshell casing that comes with uh, figure arts and figma and all that kind uh now the one thing that they're still doing and i don't know if we talked about this when we talked about deadpool scotty but he was covered in the little plastic pieces over all his joints uh, that you sort of need to get in there and take off, which I know is probably put in there to sort of protect the joints a bit. I don't know how much protection joints really need from blue plastic on blue plastic. Uh, part of me wonders if they're kind of more there just to show you where all the joints Listen, are. Blue on, on blue the paint joint. rub is a very serious issue. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I think they might actually be more there to teach you where all the joints are by the fact that you've got to keep pulling all these little plastic pieces out from <laughs> everywhere and i've had a couple of these where it's been kind of months later and i'll be moving something i'll see a little bit of plastic sticking out it's like oh i missed a piece here slide that out through there now uh collector friendly it is pretty collector friendly though uh, pretty much to get those plastic pieces out, you're just going to get frustrated and rip a lot of them out. So finding one that still has those plastic pieces or someone carefully removing those plastic pieces to reinsert into the joints uh, is going to be a bit rare. But I imagine most collectors aren't going to be too fussy on that end. The sculpt's pretty good. It's kind of what you expect from a Japanese sculpted uh, figure t sort of taking on the comic book style where it is going to have that little bit of anime influence. Uh, for the most part, though, it is that uh, Captain America Marvel Now design. So he has kind of the armoured detailing in his grey underpits. Uh, he's kind of got that chainmail look that's whoa, kind of more whoa, like whoa, bubble. Whoa, back up, back Ooh, up. Yeah. Underpits? Yeah, so he isn't blue all the way around on his chest. He's got sort of these grey uh, pit area 
there that has sort of coloured steel and then sort of what looks like a movable material, sort of flexible and stretchy right in there under the pits itself. So the Marvel Now cap had it, the Ultimate uh, Captain America had it in there. If you've uh, ever had any of those ones, it sort of has that weird... It's the under pits terminology that I'm... Under pits? I I think they need hang-me-downs. I'm not sure, though. New word. That's, that's going to be the next T-shirt. Underpits. It'll just be written yeah, in the, the underpits. Right yeah, I'm going to stick my punchy hands in your underpits. Yeah. yeah. And he's got sort of the kind of <laughs> looks like bubbles for or scaling for the chainmail uh, design around. Now, one thing that I do really like with the design and going for the Marvel Now cap, and I know somewhere Ben's very. Uh, unhappy that they've gone with a Marvel Now cap rather than a classic Captain America uh, that most people would remember reading from their comic books. Uh, But the uh, Captain America from Marvel Now has a helmet for a masking cow. And because of the way they do the head articulation, where it's a head on a ball joint, uh, but they have another piece on the inside Uh, of the head that sort of floats around and moves in there and what this does is if you remember when we were talking about the marvel legends last week scotty how we said you had a bit of gappage between the back of the head and the neck uh because of this sort of free piece floating around in there it's uh covers that up no matter where you sort of articulate the head around to so it's something that will just kind of it's like a little o-ring uh, that shapes around as you move it, it'll sort of cover up any gappage that you've got. Can look a little weird on characters with just straight up heads. It looks like they've kind of got something weird going on the back, but with a helmet, uh, it really does blend in perfectly. So it doesn't take away from the figure sculpting there at all. If he had a, just had, say, a straight cow through there, you'd see the lines where that kind of breaks up. But now it just fits in perfectly with the back of the helmet there and then looks like it's material coming out through of the back of his head. Another major change that they've done this time, and it is a good sign for me that they do seem to be constantly improving, and it was one of the biggest complaints we had when talking about Deadpool and, for me, across a lot of the other figures they released, but he had the ball joint articulated knees, which looked fine from the front, uh, but from the back they stood out as being a really odd shape. Uh, now they've done away with the ball jointed knees. They just have single jointed knees that just have a very large range of motion. Uh, but they do have sculpting in there, which does work really well. And really, you don't need ball jointed articulated knees. No knees need to sort of bend out and shoot to the side on a right angle unless uh, you've broken your <laughs> kneecap, basically. So having that single joint that has such a wide range of movement that it actually bends further back than most figures with uh, double jointed uh, knees uh, actually works really well here on him. So nothing's lacking there at all, but he does look a lot better from the back than a lot of the Yamaguchi Marvel figures we've gotten so far. So hopefully that's something that they're going to be continuing on with in the future. Uh, Paintwork on him is pretty good. Uh, For the most part, he doesn't have a whole lot of paint because he's made up of so many pieces that just plug in together. uh, He's generally just cast in whatever uh, colour that piece is. 
Uh, there are a few exceptions, though. Obviously, the star on his front uh, pieces and straps on the gloves and the belts, the A and the wings, and the straps on the mask. Obviously, the underpits, as we talked about earlier. Uh, and the only area where it gets a little bit sloppy is some of the stripes have a tiny bit of bleed over, uh, but we're talking sort of microscopic pinhead sort dots, whereas compared to a Marvel Legend, we'd be touting them as fantastic, but just because the paint's pretty tight uh, <laughs> all over, uh, it just stands out a little bit, but it's nothing major at all. It's just the rest of him's done up so good that it... Uh, pops uh the really glorious paint just to jump ahead a little bit to the accessories is his shield is actually painted in a metallic color that has sort of that car shine or speedboat shine you got that little bit of sparkle in there but nothing major that's going to pull away as well as a completely different metal paint sheen for the inside that really does look like unpainted metal uh, so that's really fantastic. It really gives you the impression that it's, even though it's plastic, that it's a sort of metal vibranium adamantium alloy shield. Uh, he's holding on here where the front's been painted, but the backside's still just the original uh, metal casting in through there. Now, the paint on his extra head that he comes with is a bit weird when you look at it up close because unfortunately, and Adam, this might trigger you a little bit, uh, but rather than blonde, they've got a very light gold wash over his hair. So from a distance, it's not bad, but up close, it, it really does stand out as something being a bit odd. Uh, he's kind of a Super Saiyan, uh, Steve Rogers. Are you uh, triggered, Adam? I'm not triggered. It's just I don't understand why people put gold through hair. The Super Saiyan one triggers me more because it's just never how it's ever actually been done in <laughs> anime. Sure. If someone thinks that Steve Rogers has gold hair, go for your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now we get to the point that really makes uh, these figures, and it's the articulation and accessories. So when it comes to what articulation this guy has... Uh, I don't want to list them all because I want to try and keep this podcast under three hours. Uh, but to sort of speak of some of the... Like, you've got your classic things such as ball-jointed elbows and ball-jointed uh, wrists. So he's mainly made up of ball joints across the body that are actually kind of, in some cases, doubled ball joints that then plug into a piece of his body. So you can actually break him up into dozens of little pieces and put him back together uh, if you want to. The joints uh, sort of gap and size plugs are generally universal and there's two or three different sizes. So, you know, the wrists are a bit more of a smaller plug, whereas the shoulder plugs kind of can match up with the elbow plugs and uh, neck plugs and the inner body uh, plugs. Uh, but where he sort of stands out is he's got some weird joints. So one of them that's something they've started doing from around Venom, I think was the first one, but it's also popped up on Wolverine Magneto. And again, here is he has uh, articulated shoulders and you might be thinking oh shoulders isn't a new articulated joint and i don't mean where the arm meets the shoulder i'm just using shoulder for lack of a better word but it's basically 
that whole upper side of his body is on a kind of swivel joint. So you can actually move the shoulder almost 360 around his body there. So you can get him with his shoulders forward, his shoulders flung backwards, uh, one shoulder forward, one shoulder backwards. And it is a little bit weird. It does cut up the body, so he's got two lines heading down the top of his chest piece. Uh, but it does allow you to get a lot of great poses out of the arms because you're not limited to the shoulder placements uh, on them there. And for the most part, the sculpting of the chest piece does mean that it does blend in fairly well depending on where you're moving. It's just when you're looking at it up close, you're going to see the lines for the swivel. Uh, he also weirdly has ball joints where his boots meet his uh, lower legs uh, which does sort of work like ankle pivot which he does also have uh, but it just gives you that little bit extra uh, range just in terms of getting his feet nicely uh, planted if you are putting him in some odd poses but generally speaking you're not going to use that ball joint all too often uh, now, one that's constant against with uh, Yamaguchi is he's got the kind of quadruple ball joint in the middle of his body uh, that then the chest and lower chest kind of just casing sort of slip over and then you plug in the bottom to the head and that sort of works. So he's got excellent uh, range in terms of chest crunching. You can basically get him wadded up into a little ball here completely and the other really weird piece of articulation he has is articulated eyeballs uh, so his wow. face is swappable and when you pull the face out you see these sort of two little weird uh, inverted eyes in the back that have tiny little hmm. holes in them and you get this little eye pokey accessory that basically has a plastic pinhead on the tip of it that you can insert into uh, these kind of balls that are in permanently in sockets uh, in the back of his head there. And as you move those, his uh, pupils and iris will move around uh, in the face sculpt. So you can get him looking left, right, up, down, cross-eyed. You can even roll the head, the sort of pupils right back into the head. So he just has clear white eyes, which doesn't really work that well with uh, Captain America, but it worked really well on the Magneto one to make him look like he's in a powered up phase. And I struggled with this. It took a little while to get used to because you'd sort of have to get the eyes completely lined up so that he doesn't look silly. But I was finding it hard to move the eyes around so they're exact. And I found out what I was doing was watching where I was plugging in and then just moving it around and then turning it around to check the front. Whereas I've gotten much better at it by just actually plugging it in, then turning the face around and then just watching the eye move around. And uh, that's a much more effective way of lining up the eyes and sort of guesswork of constantly turning it back around, which seems obvious, but it took me ages to work out that as a fantastic technique. Uh, but it, it actually works really well. I haven't seen any paint rub happening uh, between the uh, eyes and where they're sort of rolling around in the head there. Uh, 
if you were just looking at the face sculpts, you probably wouldn't guess that the eyes are actually separate balls inside of the sculpt. They do look nice and painted uh, on, so they do blend in quite well. He actually has a little bit of eyeliner paint around the eyes that do help it sort of blend in and don't stand out that it's the end of the casting there. Now, in terms of accessories, he's Captain America, so he obviously comes with his shield. Uh, he has some awesome sort of bullet energy effects that actually slide in over the shield, so it makes it look like he's being shot at and he's using the shield to cover himself or cover someone else. Uh, there are handle pieces that plug in to the back so he can hold his shield, but you can also unplug them out for when you plug his shield onto his back. Uh, he's got a bunch, uh, so two different faces. He's got a neutral face, and he's got sort of a screamy, angry face, and he has an extra head with his helmet off. Uh, and what you can do when you're swapping the face over, you actually take the helmet off, and unplug the face so if you're using the head without the helmet and he's got his hair on you can take that helmet piece and just put that in his hands and it looks like he's just removed his helm uh, he comes with seven pairs of hands so he's got two fists that also double as his shield holding hands you can plug one of the handles into the top and bottom ends of his fists. He's got two open palms that also double as his shield holding hands, which I'll come back to in a second. You've got a trigger hand, uh, so you can actually place Deadpool's gun uh, in this hand which will plug in onto his right arm and he can actually hold a gun which is something they've been doing across pretty much all these Yamaguchi figures is like even Spider-Man and Wolverine came with this trigger hand so they can hold guns if you want to give them guns to hold even if the characters might not necessarily use them but uh, works pretty well with Captain America. Uh, you've got a pointing Avengers uh, here's your order hand and you've also got a saluting uh, hand which goes very well with the helmetless cap. Now to come back to the shield throwing hands the shield throwing hands have holes in them so you can actually plug in uh, this little shield throwing piece uh, so what it does is it plugs into the middle of his shield and then you can plug the back part of it into his hand and it looks like he's either just catching his shield, he's just about to throw his shield or he's sort of doing that classic poster pose where he's got the shield in the ground and his fingers are just holding in over the top of it, uh, which is fantastic because it's an iconic way of Cap holding his shield, but it's something we really haven't seen done in any other figure, at least as far as I can tell before, is to give him a way of holding his shield on his side uh, rather than just through the straps uh, in the middle there. Uh, he does come, as I mentioned before, his little eye poker, so you can change the eyes in his eye articulation around. And he's got some extra joints in case you were to break 
uh, his shoulder joints, which is generally where you're going to be doing a lot of the movement and action. So uh, if they start to wear out or become loose, you've got some alternative options there. Uh, so they're two grey ones to match up with his underpits. Uh, now, he does also come <laughs> with a silver pair of this joint. And I have seen a lot of people confused uh, by what this is for. And it's actually for his shield. So with this, you plug it into his back uh, and you can sort of pose it so it hangs a little bit lower. And then you can plug his shield, exact same middle point where you plug that shield holding uh, clear plastic piece into and what this does which works really well is it allows his shield to plug into his back but it hangs a little bit lower than it normally would which is fantastic because it looks more natural as if he's just got it strapped to his back rather than like how you get with the Marvel Legends where you plug the shield into his back and it's just kind of sitting a little bit too high there to look natural like it's actually hanging off uh, his back there uh, but that said because it is an articulated joint you can actually pose it around a little bit so it works best for whatever photography or artwork you're doing or if it's moving with his movements or whatnot or his uh, you can sort of reposition it to get it just right so you can get good shots of him kind of reaching over behind his shoulder and just about to grab his shield off his back and fling it around and throw it uh, it's just a really clever idea. It doesn't work 100%, uh, obviously, and this is one of the big flaws with the figure, but depending on certain angles that you look at, you can clearly see that there's this weird joint in there. Uh, but I think this is where Yamaguchi's really become an acquired taste, which, uh, if you go back to that Deadpool mm. uh conversation that we had i really love the deadpool scott uh i remember you saying that it wasn't for you and this seems to be across the board with a lot of collectors and uh, i can't blame the people who say that they don't like uh the yamaguchis Uh, i definitely can see where they're coming from uh and some of the articulation points on this do make it look a bit like a weird, ugly figure, but I think for me, where the fun comes is finding that certain pose and how it looks from a certain angle, and you can get some fantastic poses out of them, and then just turn the figure around in your hand and it looks dreadful from a completely (laughs) different angle. So Mm -hmm. these really are, at least I think, fantastic for someone who likes to do figure photography which personally i'm terrible at but i i love just picking them up and posing them around but uh if you are someone who likes taking pictures of your dollies uh i i think these guys can be worth picking up because you can get some amazing action-based poses out of them and i'm constantly changing the poses of mine around i have them on a uh sort of entertainment unit in front of my TV. Uh, And the last accessory, which I forgot to mention, is he does come with a Revoltec stand. So he's got a plug, so you can plug it in to his uh, either upper or lower back, and you can get some nice aerial action poses. He does come with one of those figure arts clasps that you can hold onto him without actually plugging it in, but for me, these never really work on Yamaguchis. They've got a bit of solid mass to them, so 
it doesn't hold on. But another cool byproduct with the cap one is that the plug on the stand does plug into that middle piece of the shield. So you can also get some shield posing going on as if he's just thrown it and it's going off in the distance or hitting someone or uh, you could have it just there on display up in the air behind them or anything you kind of want with it so it's nice to get some display options for the shield uh, being thrown so uh, it does have a couple of little flaws uh, and obviously it's going to be hugely beauty being in the eye of the beholder but for me, I am absolutely adoring this figure. Uh, none of the faults are major or unlook passable for me. So I, for a dolly rating, I've got to give him $10 out of 10. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, it is a, it's totally a, a taste thing, isn't it? Like, you know, for me, the, I, I love the photography um, that people can do with these pieces because of the articulation. I just don't like the way that it looks like, you know, when you kind of up close. So I'm happy to admire the awesome photos of these and not own them and just live vicariously through you. So do you have all of them, Eddie? Do you have Magneto? Yeah, I got Magneto. I got uh, Spider-Gwen, Venom. Yeah, seven. So I, the, the one that is going to test me, I think, will be the X-Force Deadpool. Um, because that is just a straight-up repaint, but repaint, uh, yeah, it is much. Deadpool who is my boy, so I do not be shocked at all if I buckle. Um, but coming after all those Marvel <laughs> Legends announcements last week, I'm trying to be a bit gooder, but that probably won't be out for a few more months, in which case I will have forgotten and that. But if they do that <laughs> with a few other ones, I might have to... So like, Spider-Man's another one of my favourites, so... Uh, if they do different versions of him, I might grab that. But, you know, if they do a variation on Magneto uh, or if they do a variant of Venom, so he's the scorpion one where the white arms go over his shoulders, then I I might mm-hmm. give it those sort of repaints a miss. But at the moment, uh, I'm still pretty much all in. I think Carnage is the next one. Uh, on its way to us and they have also just with toy fair we didn't really mention it last week but uh they are doing a batman uh which will be interesting oh really because particularly with magneto's cape was a real uh bit of uh polarizing amongst even the fans of the yamaguchis uh how if they're going to be doing batman's cape the same way that they did magneto's uh, that could be lead to an interesting figure. Uh, it does seem like it's mm. more stylized than they're going with the Marvel ones, so I'm going to wait till I see okay. painted versions of the DC ones uh, before I commit to picking up any of them. Uh, but I'm definitely going to be following it with great interest on which DC characters they do. Oh, oh man, what if they do Aquaman? Yeah. <laughs> What if it's the, the if late I, 90s Aquaman? Double hand. Yeah, I don't know if I want my Aquaman with underpits. Like, no, that's Captain America design. That's got nothing to do with them. You never know. That's, uh, you never know. Yeah, well, it's not like he has a major movie coming out this year, so it's not like they're going to be looking true. to merchandise him. So. True, true, true. Well, if they make a movie one, then I won't care, so that's fine. Um, uh, very good. Well, thank you so much for that, um, Eddie. That was... A fantastic 
um, detailed review. We will take a short break, and then Adam will come back and talk about something unpronounceable. Right. The one thing on this that kind of I would have loved to have seen a classic cat head because I think the thing I like about these is they look really good as like a Marvel versus Capcom kind of version. Mm. And so it would have been cool to have like a classic cat head for it or something, or a better helmetless Steve. Yeah, it would be. I would not be shocked, though, I feel like. Because they've sort of been playing it lightly classic, but with a little bit, like, I guess Spider-Man's the only one that's really... I guess Magneto as well. 100% classic ones. Like, the Wolverine is the astonishing X-Men version, and uh, Deadpool's the Marvel Now version. So you could easily see them coming back and doing a classic cap quite easily. Like, all they'd really need to change is uh, maybe the boots, the upper chest, and then the helmet, and then they get another sale out of you. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, okay, if we do this version first, then a lot of the people who buy that will then again return for classic cap, whereas if you do it vice versa, uh, you might not get it. But uh, I'm not too sure. Mm. That's just theorizing. Yeah, agree. But yeah, they do have that real Capcom, like particularly the Wolverine, out of all them, them that sort of chunky, uh, particularly in yeah. size feel. And I guess uh, Magneto as well uh, is also perfect for that style of one. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of half Capcom, half Humberto Ramos or something. Mm. If you like listening to podcasts, then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor, Audible, is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is X heroes by author Peter Kleins. X heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon to get your copy of X heroes for free and start your 30 day trial or find another book to start your audible journey. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash AF blues. And now it's time for me to rest my vocal cords and pass the baton on to Adam. So over to you, Adam. Thank you very much, Eddie. So Wait, we have a baton? Yeah, you haven't seen the baton? It's pretty. I've never had you're the not, baton. Because you're not in marching band. Yeah. Hey, I made this whole thing, people. <laughs> there are no... There's, <laughs> there's no batons if I don't get a baton. <laughs> you talk to John about joining marching band, and then we'll talk about whether or not you get the baton. Oh, of course. John's the instigator of the baton. Far out. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, what's all this message about batons? What's... <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, carry on. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to mute myself so you don't hear the my angry typing for all my um, passive-aggressive messages to John New. <laughs> Dear John. <laughs> <laughs> Dear John. Just because we changed our recording schedule so it's harder for you to be on the podcast doesn't mean that you have to engage in exclusionary attack. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is that I could probably actually make John apologize um, for it, even though you didn't change anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> we do need to work out a time to get him on. We really do. Bad. I think, yeah. is, is this Daylight Savings better that's now coming? Is that... Uh, it will be. It will bring us closer together, I think. Cool. 
Love, love will bring us together. When do you say light savings? May. Normally finishes in May and then starts getting in October, doesn't it? I'm terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, Adam, do you want to interrupt this discussion with a review? Uh, I mean, we can if you want. I thought it was going yeah. swimmingly. <laughs> Sorry, bro. That's all right. Okay, so this week... I am reviewing the SH Figure Arts Ryoga Hibiki. This is from the Ranma One Half line um, from our friends at Bandai. Uh, so a bit of background. We've talked about Ranma One Half before and how it's um, the crazy story of people who fall into cursed springs and when they are splashed with cold water, transform into something else. And when they're splashed with hot water, they return to normal. For Ryoga, um, he turns into a cute little pig. Uh, it's a, uh, a pot-bellied black pig. Um, that pig was provided with the Akane Tendo figure that I have previously reviewed, and when he is that pig, he is referred to as Picha, uh, for Picha, mm-hmm. um, and he is deeply embarrassed about that. Apart from when he is a pig, and he is normally himself, he is Ranma, so the title character's main rival throughout the show. Um, he is incredibly poor with sense of direction and he is also fairly dense. Um, doesn't get a lot of jokes. He's easy to trick. Um, and it's frequently implied that's because he's so often lost that he has no real touches to what's going on in the real world. Um, and that explains some of the accessories he comes with. So as a basic figure, um, it's a really simple design. So it's a, a yellow tunic over black pants. There's um, yellow strapping for the bottom of his pants. He has a little black belt. He has his uh, yellow and black bandana headband on. Um, and he has his little black martial arts shoes on. Um, the other features about this, there's obviously the swap-out portraits, hands, uh, and other accessories you would expect with a figure arts. Um, the shoulders have the butterfly style articulation so that the, um, the point at which the shoulder attaches to the main torso is articulated. So you get a bit more flexibility. Um, it's actually quite good. It makes it also has the ability to make the, the torso look a little bit bulkier in the, in the chest. So a little bit more physically impressive as well as giving you a bit of range. Um, in terms of, the main figure details, this was released in 2017. I acquired mine in 2017. Um, it went for $60 US at time of release, and I think you can still get it for that price from most e-tailers. Um, packaging is standard for figure arts. So it's the window box with um, the front and part of the top exposed. Keeping with the Rainbow One Half line, it's got um, kind of the, the square frames with the square squiggly cutouts on it. Uh, it has the manga back as far as the imagery is from manga, along with some poses on the back, um, as well as heaps of cool shots of other things you'd pose the figure doing on top, sides and bottom. So you've got plenty of ideas to spur you on there if you are not already a fan of the manga or anime from which Ryo comes, um, and therefore wondering what you could do with him. So the box is fine. You open that up. There is the standard clamshell or tray system. In this one, there is one honking big tray, which has Ryoga, um, his backpack and umbrella. Then underneath that sits another tray, which has the swap-out faces, 
sort of a hands um, and a figure stand. And I have a feeling if I take that out, it could go anywhere. See what happens. I haven't tried it yet. Excuse the noise. So they've actually done something really cool, which is what it looks like from the outside. The hand segment of the second tray actually has a separate cover over the top of that. So there's essentially a cover for the whole tray and then a separate little cover between that and the tray where the hands are sitting to protect the hands, which um, I assume is spurred on by the numerous reports that they would have got of people opening trays and having hands spray everywhere. Um, so that's actually a really good innovation, including on this very podcast. Exactly in, in, if right. If you recall, it, yes, in one of the in the um, very early episodes, the uh, Catwoman uh, Play Arts Kai hand uh, popping disaster. So you know, I'm sure we had something to do with all of that. Yep, pretty sure it's purely because of uh, this podcast that they would have done something about it. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're keen listeners. Yep. Yep. So that's a useful feature. Um, there's obviously the solid colour card, which we get with every figure arts. This one is yellow. That sits behind the two trays. And then there's instructions on how to play with your dolly, um, which is, in this case, fractionally useful to me because there's one thing I had to work out how to use, and I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, so, yeah, the figure itself, it's probably five and a half, six inches tall, so that's probably reasonable for a yoga. He's, what, a 16-year-old kid, I think, at the start of the show. Um, he is somewhat slightly built, as are most characters in Rainbow One Half, if you compare them to, say, Dragon Ball Z. Um, later in the show, they get a bit more a bit more swole. Um, at this point, if it's early in the show, they're all quite slender. Um, so he's got, you know, articulated necks, which is the same as most figure arts these days. There's a ball joint at the bottom and a ball joint at the top. He has butterfly shoulders with a ball joint swivel at the actual arm. He has discs for elbows. He has ball jointed wrists. They're not super flexible though, so there's something to be careful about so you don't snap things. He has a ball jointed um, chest crunch, same at the waist. Uh, He has ball jointed hips. And they have the standard um, figure arts thing that we've come to know and love now where you can um, extend the hip down a little bit and then rotate it. So there's a bit of give um, from the crotch, I think, is where that comes from. There's a disc knee, except I think it's actually – no, I think that's actually a ball joint. Yeah, that's a ball-jointed knee, um, which is an interesting way to do it, and ball-jointed ankles, and there's a toe swivel. For the first time in a long time, the toe swivel is not done with a metal bar. It's done with plastic bars. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes in future because I think they would have removed it in the past because the plastic has a, a fairly high likelihood of perishing. Um, and when it does, it just gives out and the whole toe piece becomes uh, disjointed. So that's an interesting option to go for again. In terms of some of those joints, so... Um, considering he's got a, a tunic on, um, there's not as per some of the Dragon Ball Z figures where they have like a, an elbow sculpted onto the disc joint that's in the elbows. It's just a straight circular joint. Same for the knee. There's no sculpting on top of the ball joint. It's just a straight ball joint, but it's quite a fat one. So it's not like um, 
some figures where we have an inappropriately sized ball joint that stands out like dog, dog's balls. It's, you know, kind of about the thickness of the, the leg, so it's not too bad. Um, and the ankle ball joint is actually quite thick as well, so it blends in relatively well. But they're interesting choices. Um, it's also another one where we don't have a bicep cut. Um, I think considering we've started seeing recent Bundai figures with bicep cuts, it'll be interesting to see if we get those more often, um, just because I think that's one of those things where it'll be the next thing that helps get them the better articulation for, for posing. I guess if you've got a, a kind of slender figure um, like Ryoga, it's probably a bit harder and also a case of whether or not the um, the tunic has really definitive arm kind of poses where um, or sculpting for, for muscles and biceps and things, which this doesn't have particularly. You can probably get away without it to some extent. So that's the basic articulation options. Um, in terms of uh, paint, it's pretty simple. I haven't got any real cases of slop. Some of the yellow where they've painted the yellow strapping over the pants is a little bit light and faint, but that's kind of standard for light colour on top of black. Um, other than that, it's pretty good. No complaints. So if we talk about some of the accessories on this figure, um, it's got the standard swap-out portrait uh, experience. So it's remove Ryoga's bangs like that. So they just come away, and then you take out the portrait and swap that out. He comes by default with kind of a neutral uh, kind of 100-yard stare um, with neutral mouth. He has a swap-out, a shouty face. He has a uh, an embarrassed blushing face, and he has an embarrassed close-eyes sweating face. Um, so there's some good comedic value in there as well as some good fighting face value in there so that's all good in terms of hands he comes equipped with equipped with punchy hands by default he has um gripping hands so for gripping his umbrella uh or anything else you might want to put in his hands he has uh palms closed thumb folded over kind of karate chop hands he has fingers splayed a bit more and thumb extended hands he has a pointy uh, pointing with fist, left hand and right hand. He has the, um, for those that have seen the show or the manga, uh, any time that the character gets smashed in the face and gets sent flying or is embarrassed or particularly embarrassed um, and falls over, they make uh, a pose where their two middle fingers are folded in, pinky, index and thumb are all extended. Um, and so that is one of those for left and right. So that's a, an option for you. Um, and the other one is uh, that's his left hand um, holding a box of candy. So this is another attribute of Ryoga. Um, as he frequently gets lost and he is smitten with Akane Tendo, which is one of Roma's fiancés, he regularly, when he returns to, um, to Tokyo, he will have candy or some kind of gift from wherever it is that he's wandered off to. Um, so he has that as a gift that he can offer to Yokane. Uh, he comes with a figure stand with his name and some graphics uh, printed on that. He has his umbrella. He has a backpack. And he has um, – the backpack has a swap-out top so that you can choose to have just the backpack or you can have the backpack 
with uh, straps to hold his umbrella in. And that's the point where I needed the instructions because I was looking at it and going, I'm not, I can see that that's for the backpack, but I know what it's for. Um, and then it's just a case of, okay, how do you do it? And essentially there's a segment on the top of the backpack. You just uh, unclip, take that out and put in the different part and that has the straps and then you can feed the umbrella through that. And also in the top tray, there is it's an odd looking clip. I wonder what that's for. There's some kind of stand, and I think that may be for holding the umbrella, but I'm not sure. Um, so it's a, a stand clip-on piece, and it's probably for that. Uh, so that's interesting. The backpack does actually fit over the shoulders. You basically have to – just trying to work this out. It's in the instructions specifically how they recommend doing it. Um, and basically you just have to feed one shoulder in and then the other shoulder in, and I think there's some level of trickery about how you have to bend the arms and things like that, but it does go over if you want to do that. Um, the backpack is solid black. There's a little white triangle on it, and the straps are painted purple with little black tabs on them. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think the accessories are a good variety. I think I've missed one set of hands, and that is um, for one of Ryoga's signature moves, which is the Shishi Hokodan, which is, I think, the lion's roar. Um, he has finger poses for that. So that's a key blast attack. And um, it's somewhat disappointing there's not a key, bar, key blast effect that comes with this, but it's a fairly standard, just fireball-looking thing. So it's, you know, you can probably pick one from anywhere else and use that. Um, there's not a face uh, that goes with an ultimate or perfected Shishi Hokadan. Um, so the Shishi Hokadan is powered by depression, which Ryoga is a master of. And uh, so the, the perfect one, he fires a, a huge blast straight up in the air, looking very depressed, and it falls down and crushes everyone. So there is not a, pose, a, a particular set of poses or face plates for that, which is a little bit disappointing, but I'll go with that. Um, yeah, so accessories-wise, I think that's pretty good. Um, if people are after a, a P-Chan as an alternate, that came with a Kane Tendo. So, I mean, for shampoo, shampoo as cat came with shampoo, I would assume if they do a moose, moose will come as moose in, as a duck in um, the moose figure. So Ryoga, they've split it up a bit, which is probably useful um, in terms of building some kind of cross dependencies in the in the line, um, as well as putting it with people that kind of it's appropriate with at the same time. Um, yeah, so I think overall it's a, a pretty good figure. It's um, a little bit basic in some of the some of the articulation. The other things I would consider adding if I was to have a chance to have a word to the people at Bundai would be um, initially Ryoga uses his belt. Well, I'm as sure a, they're listening. I'm sure they are. Ryoga initially uses his belt as a sword strike weapon. Um, he basically never repeats that, but he also uses his bandana um, like throwing stars and he just appears to be wearing dozens of them at a time. So you can just continually throw them. Um, and so it would have been nice to have a couple of little um, spinning bandanas as attack weapons. But that said, I don't think he, he doesn't use that particularly often later on in the series. Um, I guess the other one is, since he has got pointing ends, if you wanted to use that for actually just pointing at people, that's fine. And his final signature move is um, the pressure point rock-breaking attack. I'm trying to remember what the correct name of that is. And it's failing me, um, but that is done with a, a pointing finger, so you could also have him doing that as well. So he's mostly covered for his signature moves. Um, 
so yeah, again, solid figure. It's really great to have. He's my favourite character from the series, so I'm now covered for that one. Um, and it's really now just a case of, you know, there are some things that could have been done, I guess, a little differently. You know, if you put a bicep cut in, um, if we'd had some of the textured knees or elbows, um, if we'd had a couple of different accessories, they would have been fantastic. At a price point of $60, um, it's starting to get up there a bit in terms of, yeah, there's probably a lot of original sculpting and whatever else goes on in this uh, compared to some other figures where it's 40 or $50 for, say, a Dragon Ball Z figure. It feels a bit of a jip there. Um, the accessories are good. The packings are good. So I think it's really a case of there's things we could have done to have this even better, and I think the even better version I would have been willing to pay an extra ten dollars or so for, um, and that would have been a ten out of ten. So I think this one I would give a nine out of ten. Cool. Hmm. Hey. So how many uh, figures does this make in the Runma One Half series now, or how many do you own? So there is boy type Ranma, girl type Ranma, shampoo, and Akane and Ryoga so far. They have. Done a Genma Panda version um, and previewed it, but I don't think it's available for pre-order at all. Uh, and I think that's it so far. Hmm. So yeah. And these ones are really popular, aren't they? Like I've noticed the link on this one; it's sold out where it's selling. And are these less produced than most figure arts? I would assume that they are. So. I don't think it was ever as popular as, for example, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z still retains a huge fan base um, across the world, but particularly in the US. So there's a lot a lot more likelihood that there would be a, a larger runs done on Dragon Ball Z figures compared to around a one-half set. Mm. And I know um, when they've done some of these in the past, when they've um, announced pre-orders, they've sold out pretty quickly. So I'd assume that they're doing smaller runs on all of these figures, which would, again, explain the, the higher price point. Hmm. Hmm. Very good. Hmm. Nice. Uh, well, if there's nothing else to add, let's take another little break, and we'll be back with our third Toy of the Week. If you like listening to podcasts, there's a good chance that you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is Wool by author Hugh Howey. It's the first book in a trilogy which unfolds the mysterious story of The Silo, a subterranean city extending 144 stories beneath the surface. It's a captivating book that I had to listen to almost in one sitting because I couldn't turn it off. To get your copy of Wool for free and start your 30-day free trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. And now it is time for our third Toy of the Week. So our last two reviews have gotten stellar ratings. Will these next two get the same? We'll find out with Scotty. Thank you. Well, my um, third Toy of the Week is kind of a third and fourth, but on a theme. And the theme is the DC Comics character Katana. My original plan was simply to review the Katana uh, 
Bishojo statue from Kodobakia. Uh, but today I happened to pick up the bombshell action figure of Katana from DC Collectibles. Um, and mostly I want to talk about it because I've got a funny story that goes along with um, buying it. Um, but the Katana Bishojo is the main event. And so let's focus on her first. And there is a little photo album up on the Book of Face at Action Figure Blues if you would like to play at home. Um, so this uh, was actually came out at, right at the end of 2017. It's a 2018 acquisition for moi. And uh, this if, uh, is now a, quite a long-running um, series. The Bishojo series from Kotobukiya has both a DC and a Marvel line to it. The Marvel line started first. The DC line came a little bit after. Uh, the early pieces in this line go for mega big bucks on eBay, and so the and and they are starting to do some uh, either reissues or new versions of those original characters as well. I think partly just in response to that. But these, in case you are not familiar, are PVC uh, sculpted statues. They have all been, uh, in Kotobukiya terms, arranged by Shunya Yamashita, who is the designer of these pieces. And the sculptor of the katana piece is Masahiro Takahashi. And uh, this will cost you around 75 to 80 US uh, and could be close to the kind of 170 to 180 Mark, if you get it here at retail in Australia, um, if you are, if you do like the Bishojos and you live in Australia, it's worth checking out a website called Oz Game Shop, which uh, no affiliation other than I buy things from them, and they don't have a huge range of collectibles, but they do tend to get the Bishojo new releases at quite a uh, cheaper price um, than what you would find it at retail here. So worth checking out if you are a fan. So this is a, a piece that is about um, eight and three quarter inches tall um, with a base that, uh, including a base that's about a quarter inch. The packaging on these is a, a cardboard box with a, a window box and then inside what I call the reverse clamshell with the plastic uh, that you kind of pull apart and the piece is inside. Generally, these are all you know, one piece maybe with a removable accessory, which is the case here. And in a number of their more recent pieces, they've started sometimes doing a swap out part, either a head or a faceplate, etc., which is the case here, and I'll talk about that in just a tick. Uh, so the packaging for this line hasn't changed since the beginning. It's got the uh, the uh, source art, or I guess the um, work from Shunya Yamashita on it. It's a little bit like the way that the bombshells work, you know, based on the art of Aunt Lucia, and then sculpted into 3D. Katana has had a few different costumes over the years. I dare say that we're never going to see a officially released version of her original costume because it would no longer be politically correct. It had the the rising sun emblem on it, and 
she has had some different iterations then of her costume throughout the years, uh, helped by various reboots, etc. Then uh, she's obviously gained a new level of awareness um, through both uh, live-action appearances in Arrow on TV and the Suicide Squad film. And so this, uh, as far as I can tell, is not an actual, like, literal interpretation of a particular costume, but more uh, some kind of variations of uh, some of her more modern costumes, unless Eddie you have some awareness of a comic reference that I'm missing here? No, New 52 is a bit of a blind spot to me. Um, so I heard at first glance just say it's the New 52 costume from the... I think it was... Was it Jeff Johns and someone else working on her? Uh, I think it was like so, Jeff Johns' story, but someone else wrote it? Yeah, the New 52 katana, though, had the grey skin, like grey like face paint underneath the mask, which I always kind of thought was weird. And this one has got flesh tones. So the, the, this faceplate with the, um, symbol on it, you know, the, the red dot became a thing, um, with the new 52. And that's been the kind of the only, I think, you know, standard piece since her, the rest of her costume keeps changing. But when she, when the new 52 first started, she definitely had the kind of gray um, face paint. So this is uh, yeah, sculpted. Obviously, the Bishojo whole kind of theme is the the cute girl slash sexy lady. Um, and so while she is sculpted in a uh, a very attractive pose, it's not one of it's not cutesy, um, which would not befit the the character and it's not really coquettish. Um this, as I mentioned before, comes with two face plates and one has got visible eyes and then one has eyes uh that the white eyes, which is uh, I guess more of the common uh comic experience. And I had quite a time swapping these out. So she comes packaged with the painted eyes on and I wanted to do the swap for photos uh, and then work out which one I wanted to display with and I could not for no instructions for the life of me you know I could not work out how to do this uh, you're always afraid of breaking things right when you're you know, like oh this might pull off but what if it doesn't and then, and then it does and so I thought well the way to solve this is usually in my in my experiences to kind of look for unboxing videos where people do this stuff. And the first two videos I watched, in both cases, the reviewer actually tried to swap and gave up. <laughs> so that was a bit of a a fail. Uh, but I could from the second one, I did actually work out the mechanics of it. And the way that it works is that, her hair is actually sculpted like in two separate pieces and the front part of her hair comes off. So I was able finally to work that out. But then I had to actually use a little, like the edge of a sharp knife just to pry the mask off the top enough in order to be able to do the swap. So a little infographic or something would have been helpful there, Kotobukiya. But I did actually persist and uh, won out in the end. And glad I did because the 
YI's version is the one that I'm ultimately going to display this with. But I, you know, I do think this is a nice uh, add-on. Uh, a couple of the pieces, like the the Batwoman that came out a while ago, had a swap out unmasked head, etc. And I think you know it's a nice addition to it. This has another s- separatish piece as well, which is that Soul Taker, her her katana, is a uh, the hilt of it is rather ornate and quite large, is sculpted into her right hand, but then the actual blade comes separately and then is inserted in, um, which and it's uh, works quite well and very good looking. One of the things that I'm always really impressed by with these pieces is just the level of detail and what can be accomplished when you are sculpting and then producing in PVC. The uh, detail on her body armor and then the gear underneath is really impressive. Uh, the, the sculpt work that's been done on the uh, armor plating on her right shoulder and then also on her boots, which are really uh, beautifully detailed, I think is um, just fantastic. Uh, the, the hair of her head sculpt uh, has got some really lovely fine uh, strands and that kind of flowing stuff that I think that the, the material that these are produced in actually lends itself really well to. The the bracer and the, the pauldron that are on her right arm, again, some beautiful sculpting, and it's got a bit of battle damage in it as well, some scrapes and dings and nicks in the, the armor that always add that kind of texture and just uh, level of complexity to it. The, I think you really see the motion that's in the sculpt when you turn it around. So when you look um, you know, from the the rear, as it were, uh, you can get that kind of sense that she's you know walking uh, confidently. The the just kind of sculpt of her her hips and her legs is really fantastic, and the way that they uh, have posed the uh, the sword as well, out on an angle from the body with the blade facing downward, is um, really really lovely. The hilt, like I said before, of the of Soul Taker is uh, really ornate. Um, it's a, a very elaborate design and pretty big. And maybe, like from a battle perspective, it might be too big, but it just looks – it's really stylized and looks amazing. And, and the bodysuit is um, really, really nicely done. Uh, when you look at the, the paintwork on this, the combination of – uh, matte versus shiny um, for the armor, and then like the what's meant to be the undersuit uh, really does you know, give that kind of sense of um, of depth to this, but also texture, and you get that kind of feeling that this costume is made out of different sorts of uh, material. Um, the boots are matte, and there's a shading that's been done on the boots that uh, really gives some depth and uh, gives them a sense of looking a lot more um, elaborate, which is uh, lovely. Um, and then the base, uh, bases with this are a mixed bag. You know, one of the things that is a bugbear of mine with the Kotobukiya pieces, not just uh, Bishojo, but some of the artifact stuff as well, is that the bases often don't actually uh, Get feature in any of the promo art. So often 
the pieces are shown just like on a plain base or even a clear base or no base at all. And then when you get it, there's some sort of you know, design, etc., that does kind of change the the feel of it. So you know, often um, with if I look at the promo pieces of Katana, uh, generally it's shown without the base. Um, the base that she comes with is you know pretty plain. It's black and it's got a bit of a kind of goldy pattern on it, etc. Um, but yeah, it, it's not a big deal. But I just always find that a kind of weird promo habit of Kotobukiya is that if you look at their their promo shots, usually they're either shown not on a base or on a clear base, and then the design in the base that actually comes out is a bit of a surprise, and sometimes it can be a visual distraction. So, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's not actually a criticism, that's just a a comment, and I guess a, a, a buyer beware. So, you know, overall, um, I think the Bishojo is a great piece. I can't really uh, criticize it. You know, I'd say it's a solid 9 out of 10 um, Dolly's piece. Uh, any comments from the peanut gallery on this one before I move on to the uh, bombshell action figure? Uh, yes, while you were talking, I did a little bit of research, and it looks like I'd pretty sure uh based off the david finch design from the katana ongoing uh that came out sort of midway through the new 52 uh which it seems she went back and forth in issues between having the gray and not having the gray depending on uh which issue it was so uh pretty much the the cover of the second one in our script there and that seems to be the one they took inspiration actually i just did a bit of a Google there as well and saw that the um, hilt is also looks like it's from that as well. So that makes the kind of ornateness of it make a little bit more sense. Hmm. Sweet. I find so, the, the bosoms distracting. Uh, if, definitely. If you look <laughs> at my photos, there are angles from which the uh, bosoms... Um, yeah. uh, you, well, the armor plating... It accentuates them in a slightly distracting way, not in the good way in which bosoms can be distracting. No, in the in the way that it looks like they're two weird jelly mounds completely separate from the body and each other. It's not right. There's other ways in which it looks <laughs> fine, but I think that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk, if you were casually walking past it, most of the time you'd be, if you looked at the bosoms, you'd go, there's something off about those bosoms and keep walking. This audio is getting For singled sure. out by itself, just so you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, those bosoms are almost big enough to fit in Captain America's underpits. Don't pick on the underpits. That's a legitimate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If it was a Yamaguchi, um, so. that'd be articulated bosoms. <laughs> so, uh, I today... Like I said, I'm in Sydney for work, and uh, our office here is right across the street from the Pitt Street Mall, and I went down to uh, have lunch, and right at the back of the food court in the Westfield is a big EB Games and Zing. And so I went in there and saw uh, the uh, latest wave of the bombshell action figures, which I love the bombshells, but I don't need to collect multiple 
versions of them, uh, but I have been meaning to pick up two of the figures from this uh, latest wave, which are Katana and Mira, because they're both favorite characters of mine. And the Katana was there, and I thought that it would be interesting to kind of talk about her at the same time. And uh, But what really made me want to talk about her on the show is that when I took her up to the counter, the EB Games guy that served me, who would have been, you know, I would say, uh, you know, 50 or a little bit older. Now, now just background, remember at the beginning of this, I said, you know, Katana is a, a classic um, DC Comics character. Uh, you know, I think she kind of first appeared like, like early 80s, maybe 82, 83, uh, in the Batman and the Outsiders, blah, blah, etc. And I check it up to the counter, and he says, oh, Katana, oh, I don't know about these characters that, you know, they kind of ring in in the movies that were never in the comics. And I said, oh, Katana's from the comics. <laughs> and I said, Katana's from the comics. And he was like, no, 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 she's like this Jim Lee Wildstorm creation that then they just suddenly shoehorned into... Uh, or whatever, and I was like, dude, like you know, you never read Batman, you know, in the Outsiders, like whatever. And he was like, oh, Batman and Outsiders, love that. And I was like, yep, Katana, founding member. Mm-hmm. You got was like, uh, no, no. You got X Men splined. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Wow, the new phrases keep on coming. I love it. And I was just like, you know, when you end up kind of in this debate with someone, and you're like, you know what? Just just sell me the thing. I need to go back to the office and deal with normal humans. Like, um, the, it was just so funny the way he's like, yeah, you know, these characters that kind of, sh-. and then he was like, oh no, I'm pretty sure it's Jim, Jim Lee from before, you know, it's like, you know, Wildstorm and sort of, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, you might want to do a bit of Googling. Um, yeah. And, um, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just made me so happy. I was like, wow, that is like one of the most astonishing. You know, he's kind of like, oh, let me drop some knowledge on you. and the knowledge is all wrong anyway the and then the best bit was like oh yeah i love batman and the outsiders i'm like well i don't think you did um (laughs) i really don't so uh bombshells of course the super successful uh i guess you'd have to call it a franchise now right from uh dc started off as just uh Statues based on pinup art of DC female characters by Aunt Lucia and turned into a comic series, which I believe has just been cancelled, but um, went for quite a while, and lots of other merchandising and now action figures. So there was a wave of these that came out, but these these uh, came out last year. There's a wave that came out early on with uh, Wonder Woman and Batwoman, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, um, and then a second wave with Batgirl, Hot Girl, uh, Katana, and Mira. The Interestingly, the first wave had a bunch of accessories and swap-out hands, etc., this second wave, basically, you know, they each get an accessory if they're lucky. Um, but they're also on the cheaper side of um, the the figures, so that is okay. Um, and uh, look, this it's really interesting kind of taking something that is all from a piece of art, and the Bishojo idea is that – no, hello, wrong. The bombshell idea is that – they're reimagining these characters in some sort of, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s archetype. And for Katana, of course, has become a, a geisha. 
but it's a geisha that um, fights people, obviously, because of course she's got her uh, sword, and then her kimono is kind of ripped up and ragged at the front, like she's been in a bit of a battle. So to take these, you know, something that's you know, from a piece of art, turn it into a statue based on that piece of art, then to take it, you know, one step further, and actually turn it into an articulated action figure. Um, is pretty amazing and what i'm really blown away about with this is that uh if you put this up against the statue the head sculpt um is pretty much identical um the i can't comment on all the other pieces in the line but this is like really blows me away in terms of the way that they've been able to match the detail, um, the stylings, etc., is uh, super super fun. Um, the the interesting thing about this uh, this get up is that she's sculpted in the like the original design with the gaita, the like you know Japanese clogs, um, which is the correct footwear for uh, the you know, archetype, the, the gator um, was kind of designed to, you know, it has got the raised wooden slat so you're kind of, so that your kimono doesn't get wet in the rain and the snow, right? Um, and, but I've got to say that it just seems like super impractical uh, footwear for fighting. And, um, you yeah, know, I think there's a fair, there's obviously some artistic license um, in this, but it's really fun. Um, everything you know, is matched really nicely. The right down to the tattoo on her um, leg, in terms of the design. Um, the tattoo is actually the one bit that I'm like. It's a really obvious decal that hasn't been applied perfectly, at least on mine. Um, that you know I probably could have lived without, unless it could have been done a bit better. But then it wouldn't have matched the. Um, you know the, the figure as much, but this is just super duper fun. And the other thing that I really love about this sculpt is that the uh, the statue has her uh, with her the katana almost like her soul taker almost kind of behind her back um, because she's got like the head of a of a enemy under her uh, left foot. And then she's got her other, her left hand with her index finger up to her uh, mouth, like, shh, like, you know, don't tell anyone. And so the way that the action figure comes is that the left hand is uh, with the index finger pointing up so that if you want to actually mimic that, you can. Um, so super fun. The articulation um, is quite good. It's got double jointed knees. Um, and even uh, like ankle rockers, and uh, if I think back to the DC Direct days where, you know, you were lucky if you got knee articulation, um, yeah, it's definitely a huge change. The 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 sculpting on this piece with the drapery, on on this kimono is amazing. Um, this is this is really fun. So dolly rating, I'm gonna have to go nine because I think the tattoo is a little bit wonky, but uh, this is. Two katanas, nine each, so a total of 18 dollies for a katana uh, on this particular episode. Very cool. That's, cool. That's, that's some good ratings we've given out this week. 
we were very generous. We are good, yeah. Yeah, we were generous. But yeah, it's it's okay. A lot of Japanese companies too getting very themed week. We keep accidentally having all these themes running through episodes and toys of the week, which is nice. Yeah, it's just like, you know, we're in sync. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Well, if you guys don't have anything else to add, uh, we'll be back shortly as we wrap things up. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out. Adam, you have our first piece of feedback, so over to you. Thank you, Eddie. Our first email is from our listener, Don, who says, Question for the AFB Brains Trust. What is your opinion on knockoff action figures? Would you slash do you buy or no and why? Thanks, Don. Scott, I know you've got a strong position on this one, so I'll, I'll let you have first crack at that one. I do. I, I, I don't know that I would have had uh, the strong opinion I do if I hadn't you know, been doing this show and have gotten to speak to and know people like creators in the industry and a bit about how it works. But I am against it because it takes away from the uh, uh, creators, which means that it takes away from uh, the companies that pay the creators and also assess the the value of their work and also the, I guess, you know, total addressable market uh, for a product. And so when this doesn't go through the proper channels, that means that the people who did the work don't get paid. And it means that uh, the potential value of um, us as a market of collectors isn't necessarily visible. And so I kind of, it's, I think it's stealing really. Eddie, thoughts? Yeah, it's a weird one. I was trying to think of where I fall on this. Now, I have purposely, to be honest, brought a KO uh, before, which was the red Deadpool. Where did you take it? That did. I, I bought, bought, bought <laughs> license plates. Where I bought license plates in the gift shop. I bought a KO <laughs> knowingly. Uh, before in the past, which was the red Marvel Legends Deadpool from the two-pack. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just to, because at that time it was hard to find that original one. I had no other option, and uh, being a character that I liked, I uh, grabbed him. I did eventually replace him with a legitimate one. Thank you to Adam, actually. Uh, for that, but uh, that that was one where I was, yeah, I I really wanted it, and I couldn't even find ones for sale, let alone a good price to purchase from. So I guess in my mind, I justified it as well. I've got no other option here. But then, as time's gone on, as you mentioned, doing the show, hearing from creators, hearing their story, and also seeing a lot of people kind of done in by KOs where. Uh, people have then resold stuff in groups and people are buying it thinking that it's a legit legit product and sort of getting this inferior piece in return, which is often the case. The plastics aren't as good, the paintwork isn't as good and someone's spending the sort of top dollar that they think they're worth getting a legit one 
for these pieces. But then I, I sort of flip around a bit and think like you've got these amazing markets appearing on the Transformers side where you've got the third party groups that are, while not doing knockoff figures where they're taking the exact molds and sculpts, they're still using IP to do you know characters that they don't have the rights to or own and with a slight change of the name uh they're able to get away with it because you can't copyright a robot um and yeah just all the weird sort of gray areas that come into like what is a knockoff what is a piece and you know you've got companies like i I remember hearing that uh, hot toys technically started off as a bit of a knock-off third-party mm-hmm. company and then eventually built themselves into being the brand that they are today that now gets knocked off by other people, uh, which is kind of funny when you <laughs> think about it. Yeah, so it is It is a very weird <laughs> thing that is in all aspects of retail from, you know, media, music. Oh, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's something across the board and it's really Clothing. hard to police as you're talking about a global market so i think often it's going to depend on the collector and situation that they might be in but generally i'm going to be opposed to it just because uh it, it can often lead to other people getting ripped off unfortunately and i think that's where it's it gets a bit uh bad if people are purchasing a knockoff knowingly just because I have no idea how to get a hold of a legit version. I'm a bit more understandable, but uh, when it's someone thinking that they're buying a legit product but getting a knockoff, that's, I think, where it's not yeah. good. So, so can I just take one step back? I think, sorry, um, just take one step back in terms of clarifying you know, what we mean by a knockoff because we didn't kind of define it. Um, one of the things that I, I think where the knockoff stuff has evolved from is that because to reduce production costs uh, companies will take the production overseas to places where labor is cheaper and in general terms what will happen is we know that the most expensive part of the uh, production process is actually creating the molds that produce the uh, pieces and that's called tooling. So the cost is you know, of uh, doing new sculpts and new, uh, say, bucks or additional uh, pieces is in the tooling, in the molds, etc. And so at some point, companies will have those molds made, send them somewhere, have production samples sent and then approve them to go ahead but they generally wouldn't be sending someone to be the bodyguard of the molds and ensure that only the uh, run that, say, Hasbro is paying for is done. And so it is quite a common practice that then the company, uh, whoever is doing that production, might run uh, some either cheaper plastic through those molds and make whatever they can out of it. And that's where you get those modulated, you know, world's greatest Hooper heroes, boxes of mixed DC Marvel and whoever, you know, things in your, um, you know, dollar store. Um, but then there's also, you know, I think as sophistication has, you know, developed, there are 
there's money obviously for people in doing uh, either ones that are they try and pass off as the real thing as well. So that's what we mean when we say knockoffs. So from my perspective, I've got a, a couple of different takes on this. Um, I will buy the legitimate version as first purchase. If something breaks on that and I need a replacement part, I will buy a knockoff to have a replacement part. If I sold that original, it would mm-hmm. be it is original apart from this element which is replaced, which was broken and is replaced by a knockoff part. If you want to go and replace mm-hmm. it with an original part, so be it, but you'll be warned. The other thing that I find interesting, I mean, I've got other friends that are not really toy collectors but get interested and go, oh, but the knockoffs are blah, blah, blah. I'll explain, okay, so this is what you're doing. So explain the consequences of their actions. Go, um, And I guess the other thing is, yeah, it's coming out of the exact same company and everything else, but, you know, it's basically worthless if you try and resell it. Um, if, you, if you're buying it because saves you money and whatever else and you just want a piece of okay i'll leave you to question your own ethics it's up to you the thing that really i find morally questionable is when you see people that will go on say ebay um order from someone that they think is selling a knockoff they will get the piece in hand they will confirm that it is a knockoff based on the known traits of the knockoffs and they will then um contact the seller on ebay and say this is a knockoff you can't be selling this and get their money back um the reason I call that behaviour right is the people are basically buying it in the hope that they're getting an item 100% for free because they think it's a knockoff up front. Um, they're so sure that it's a knockoff that they're willing to try and do this and risk their money and it pays off for them. And that, as far as I'm concerned, you aren't punishing the people doing it. You're just being a dick, <laughs> right? So it's a case of, yeah. yeah, fine, you know, you might be stopping one channel that they're using to, to sell it. They'll quickly sell it somewhere else. It's irrelevant that you've done that. Um, all you've done is essentially got yourself a free hunk of plastic that you can use either in your display and sell your legitimate copy and make some money or so that you can customise it and whatever. So it's, it's just, it's not acceptable behaviour, right? You, you're trying to get something for free because someone else is doing the wrong thing. And I think that's unacceptable behaviour. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a I I um like not intentionally but I got into a you know quite a um a you know, robust discussion I would say with someone on a, a Facebook group a little while ago about this about statues because there are uh, knockoff statues as well some of which are visibly you know like like obvious um, but a classic example is some of the early DC Kotobukiya artifacts stuff uh the new 52 like you know main justice league characters etc there were some knockoffs that you know they were branded differently but it was clearly the same you know piece there and just kind of saying what's the difference and i'm like well the difference is that the you know the whole industry hurt gets hurt when this happens because of blah 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 and you know some people obviously it is a individual thing it's up to you as a person, um, and uh, but yeah, there you go. I think that we've obviously had uh, quite clear views on that. <laughs> it, it's a fascinating topic, though. Like that, that's one we could almost do a whole discussion episode. Totally, yeah. Tips, and uh, we do have another piece of feedback. Uh, and Scotty, you've got this one. 
This is from Alex, and this is kind of a gener- gen- general thanks one, but I'll explain why I chose it in a moment. So he says, um, hey, guys, just wanted to say that after 300 episodes, this show is still one of my faves, and I look forward to it every week. Please keep up the good work. Thanks for all your efforts. They are really appreciated. Alex from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. And I chose that to say, A, say thanks for listening, Alex, and thanks for your feedback. And B, because Kitchener, Ontario, Canada is where my mom was from. Cool. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Hi, Alex. To Canada, does that count? Absolutely. Yeah. Super close. Yep. Very clean streets. I was, I was impressed. Canada's cool. It is. You'd see yeah, two people so, sort like, of open a doorway for each other and they'd be stuck there permanently for life. They're just too polite <laughs> to let the other one walk through first. It's just... <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't actually have strong desires to do much, you know, kind of touring back in the US and that sort of thing. But I would love to take my beloved um, to particularly like the Atlantic provinces of Canada. Um, you know, like, so uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, um, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, like that. It's, it's, there's some really beautiful stuff around there. I'll, I'll let people in on a fantastic secret that I discovered. But if you are a comic book fan, uh, that uh, wants to travel over to America because you might come from a country like uh, Australia that doesn't have huge conventions and you want to check out a huge convention but you're a bit maybe overwhelmed or having a hard time getting tickets to San Diego or New York Comic Con, Fan Expo that happens in Toronto is the third largest convention in the world and it's not too far off San Diego or uh, particularly New York and it's fantastic. It's hugely comic book based. They actually get a lot of the San Diego exclusives that didn't sell are sold there and because it is happening in Toronto and Canada there where they do a lot of filming of films and TV shows, they often have a ton of media guests but the lines are nowhere near as big. They're still huge, but uh, much easier uh, to get through and move around. And Have you been? Yeah, I've, I, I'm a big fan of Fan Expo. Uh, cool. So, it's, yeah, and in terms of being that close to New York and uh, that East Coast area where there are a lot of comic creators, they get some fantastic guests there so i remember sure, walking yeah. up like neil adams was sitting there with no cue mike mignola uh whole tons of uh, walt simonson uh ivan wow. Reese, like they're just a whole huge artist alley uh of people with next to no cues that were t- at other conventions would just have massive lines just because the amount of talent that shows up for fan expo and that there, so Canada, I actually think, has the best con. So, uh, little secret, if you're going to travel for a con, you're probably going to get your money's worth much better at those ones than standing in line at the other two. And yeah, a lot of good toys. Look, I think we've been insanely educational tonight. We've created new words, uh, new phrases. Now everybody out there knows whether or not we pick scabs. I, I just don't know. That we really could have done more for the community in this particular episode. 
this will be a highlight one. They'll look back on this. This will be. I know. One It'll be great. a watershed. Like who would yep. think? What is this three three fourteen? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the yep. pie episode. We should have had pie. Oh. We mentioned American Pie. Yeah, we, oh, did. we did. Was that on the? Was that in the, the actual show though? That I don't know. Well, editing, editing, yeah. is editing this I one. Think so it was recorded. I can go. There's going to be a huge blooper one. We might need to put yeah, out I'm, like a four three fourteen point five. That's just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna just say now, Eddie. Like, you know, no pressure, but I have some pretty big expectations of the bloopers here because there was blooper gold tonight. So, yeah. Like I said, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah, it'll just be the intro, the outro, and then the whole episode will just be in the blooper section, <laughs> and I won't edit anything. <laughs> that could be really funny to kind of just post. It's like, so here's just everything that we recorded. We'll see yeah. how many people actually yeah. listen to the blueprint. Yeah. With all of the breaks, technical difficulties, belching, toilet breaks, and interruptions from animals, children, and partners. And you going roboty just then. That's yeah. perfect timing. Did I? Yeah, you're going roboty right now when you're talking <laughs> about technical interruptions. No, I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> So, thank you for that response, Alex. And that also brings us to a close. So, Scotty, Adam, thank you for joining me, and uh, good journey. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mark's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening. This one time. Marching <laughs> band. Okay. I cannot picture you in a cinema watching that movie. Okay. <laughs> No, I actually went to band camp. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on in this movie? What's he doing with that pie? (laughs) (laughs) It's not about band camp at all. The trailer mentioned that. That's right. This is such a big trailer. (laughs) I'm going to go Facebook my band camp friends. Easy done. Uh, so if anyone else doesn't have any other toy hunting stories or that, how about we take a quick break and be Hold back on. with... Sorry. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah, my my inner English teacher has to challenge the double negative there. If anyone else doesn't have... Okay. That, like, that, means we have to, that means we have to stop because none of us have any more stories. Isn't that why we're stopping? No, no, no. Try again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
Where's, where's the official script here? Talking about bamboozled friends. You've been bamboozled. Yeah. Okay, shall we jump in with Rogue Game Haiku? It's a really easy name to say, guys. Ryoga Habiki. Ryoga Habiki. Anyway, I am ready. Okay. Okay, in five, four, three. Can I do that again? I'm going to do that again. Okay. Cool. Uh, Just the last bit. In five, four, three. Tonight, our Toys of the Week are the Revoltek Yamaguchi Captain America, SH Figure Arts, Roaga Hibiki, and the Kotobukiya Katana Bishoujo Statue and DC Collectibles Katana and Bombshell Action Figure. Are you deliberately, like, killing the pronunciation now, Eddie? No, I keep, <laughs> it's worse. I keep about to crack up when I get to the name with laughter. I've, I've got a big goofy smile on my head now when I get to it. <laughs> okay, I'll just stop recording and then start again so that I've got that. Okay, outstanding. Thank you so much. There's your blooper. It's the magic of television. Wow, this is... Oh, my goodness. Ryoga Hibiki. Oh, yes. yeah. So you make fun of me before. But now. <laughs> I just... Re- so, like, if you're summoning a demon right now, I'm out. 